Welcome to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhamford.org. Hey, we've been having a good time going through uh, this um, series together, Tightening the Knot. This morning, I have the privilege of jumping into something that is definitely part of this series, but just a little bit different twist on things, so I'm excited about that. But I just wanted to kind of have you think back to where we've already been Brian Guy kicked us off with a, a good definition of what marriage is all about. And one of the things that he uh, really kind of leaned hard into was this idea of sacrificial service uh, to one another and challenged us on that. So that was, that was incredible. And then uh, Pastor Peter did a couple weeks. Um, and last week, I, I really appreciated... now. Some of you, I mean, I know are not Giants fans or whatever, and some of you maybe have an issue with Barry Bonds or whatever, but he gave a great illustration on, on Barry Bonds and his ability to hit a baseball. And it wasn't so much that it was, the, the main point of, of his illustration was it wasn't just how he performed, but it was the work he put in behind the scenes or before he got up to bat that really made the difference. And so I really thought about that a lot, like how important it is that what people see in our life, if we have any level of expertise, it's a result of hours and hours of, of practice and preparation. And, and so he, he then challenged us about being godly, that if we're going to have a godly marriage, we need to be a godly spouse. And he gave us a little project uh, to do this last week, and the project was when we woke up in the morning to set our phone aside for one hour, not to look at our phone for one hour, and then try to do some Bible reading, a little bit of praying, uh, spend that time together. So I'm going to, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, you don't have to tell me what you did, I'm just going to tell you what happened in Jeff Milhan's life. Um, I had three incredible days of that, and the other four days, not so much. And, it, it, you know, to, in my defense now, I'm going to, def, you know, is sometimes our schedules get, get jacked up, right? It's, it's, it's hard to maintain a, a rhythm sometimes. So, so I know your pain. Uh, I'm sure some of you did better than three days that I did, and some of you are, did much worse. So, but it was a great challenge because it was a reminder that if we're going to be godly people, it's not just going to happen because I come one hour a week and sit under great preaching or great music or whatever. That's not, that's not what makes us godly people. It's that rhythm we establish in our life. So I appreciated uh, Peter's words on that. That was great. So I've reflected a little bit on my uh, direction for this morning. And so I wanted to share with you before we jump into this, just a couple stories that give you a little bit of a background on, on how I'm thinking about this morning's message. So when I started in ministry, I was about 22 years old. I got a part-time job at my home church down in Pomona, California, uh, at Pomona First Baptist. I was the junior high uh, pastor there working about 30 hours a week. And then I had a, a, a partner, a guy that was doing about 30 hours a week doing high school ministry. And so we were, we were a pretty large church in the middle of a big building program. And so probably every couple weeks or so, uh, my buddy and I would get together in one of our offices. We would shut the door and we would solve all of the church's problems. We, we would sit there and go, you know, these guys that are leading this church, they do not have a clue. If I was in charge, here's what we'd be doing. And we would spend about 30 minutes solving all the church's problems. And I just want to say right now, I was an idiot. Okay? I was an idiot. I did not have a clue the stuff that they were dealing with. I had no understand, understanding of really the decisions that they were making. But, man, I had all the answers. I had all the answers. And likewise... Um, 
after, so I'm the oldest in my family. I have a younger sister who's about four years younger than I. And, and uh, Kristen and I got married relatively uh, young. And so, uh, and, and my sister Jana got married a little bit uh, later in life and then had kids. But after she had kids, she came to me and she said, Jeff, I just need to apologize. All the wisdom I gave you about parenting before I had kids was just a big crock. I had no clue what I was talking about. And so I just want to apologize. So I share that to just remind us that all of these things that sometimes we think we're an expert at in life, we just need to be really careful. Uh, we may not be the expert that we think we are. So I share that because as we jump into this idea of singleness, this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the idea of singleness. I approach this topic with a lot of humility, with a recognition that I want God's word to speak to the truth of this idea of being single and let the Holy Spirit really shine in the midst of that. Because to be honest, my experience as a single person, as an adult single person, is quite limited. I got married when I was 22. Kristen and I have been tightening the knot, as we're saying, uh, these, uh, these days for like 38 years we've been married. So, um, you know, I, I, I remember being single. I was in college and I lived in the dorm. I'm not really sure that counts as real life as... Um, single person, so I recognize that I, I want to I approach this with a, with a good level of humility. I also, as I've been reflecting on this, am reminded that often as a church, we, I think, think past or think over single people. Whether you're single uh, and never married or single through uh, being widowed uh, or a widower, or by divorce, whatever it might be, I think often the church plans and talks and our, and our vocabulary often goes, goes right past uh, single folks. And so maybe you've extended some grace to us and you recognize, hey, family's important and kids are important and marriage is important, which that is all true. It, it, it's all very true. But I, I recognize that as a church, often we have looked past singles within, within our body. And I think that's, we need to be careful about that. So... I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that these last few weeks. And then the last thing is I just believe that this is a relevant topic because there are single people here within our fellowship right here this morning in all of those categories that I just mentioned. Uh, there are, the reality is that even if you sit here this morning and, you're, and we're married, uh, half of us at some point in our life will be single again probably at, at some point. So we recognize that this is a relevant uh, topic. And finally, we're the body of Christ together. So if we can't uh, celebrate and, and recognize that there are things going on around us within the body here that, that we need to be aware of, we just need to be reminded about that. We need to be reminded that we're, we are a body together and, and need to love, encourage, and support one another in every stage, in every situation uh, in life. So as we jump into this, I have a question for us this morning, and this is the question. Which is better? Is it better to be married or is it better to be single? Don't answer that. Okay, don't answer that. That's a question we want to push into a little bit. Now, this last uh, few weeks, we've been reminded very well by Brian and Peter, marriage is a gift. I mean, it's God's gift to us. It's designed by God, created by God. They've done a great job of walking through that design and encouraging us along the way. And they've brought, and I have to be honest, I wholeheartedly agree with what they've been sharing with us about the importance of marriage and foundationally what it is in our life and in our society. Super important. 
even though this morning I'm going to maybe turn to the little bit more of the underbelly of marriage, we're going to look at that a little bit because they're, well, we'll get to that. But it, it was designed by God for us to experience the, the fulfillment, the intimacy that we're created for. It gives a platform for us as married couples to demonstrate the character and the nature of who God is. I don't know if you're married this morning if you think about this, but I really believe that marriage is a platform for us to demonstrate who God is, his character, his unconditional love, his sacrificial love, the covenant love that he's expressed in our life. This is all, these are all character traits that should hopefully be at play within our marriages. So it's, a, it's an incredible uh, relationship that God's created. And I believe it prefigures the eternal marriage to our bridegroom Jesus for eternity. So, I mean, I don't think any Christian would argue with the significance and the importance of marriage. But I think we have a tendency to focus on all of the upsides of being married being married and maybe highlight some of the downsides of being single and so then we assume, well, being married is obviously better than being single. And I'm going to suggest that's not the case because I, I, I believe that singleness is also a gift from God. And this morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you brought a Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to open to 1 Corinthians 7 or click that device to 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to, we're going to look at a few different uh, verses in there, but I wanted to begin uh, at verses 7 and 8. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, because Paul says this about singleness. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. So I believe that Paul here is ultimately reminding us that really what we need to do is we need to learn to find our contentment in whatever situation and stage we are in life, that it's not like, boy, if I could just find that right person, or if I could just get that right job, or if I just lived in that right place, then everything would be fine. If we're constantly chasing after something that we feel like is going to give us ultimate contentment, and it's anything other than God, it's always going to fall, we're always going to fall flat on our face. It's never going to work. So if we're pursuing something, looking for this peace and contentment that is, that is outside of what God has designed us for, we're going to fail. It's not going to happen. And so Paul, Paul, I think that's kind of what Paul is going to encourage us about. So let me make a couple of quick observations about being, about singleness. First of all, um, when we as Christians talk about being single, we're talking about something that is different than the world would talk about. And here's how, here's what I mean by that. In our culture today, if you're not a Christian and you're single, that's a great thing. You are free to Live unattached, uncommitted. You don't have the entanglements or the restraints of a, a long-term relationship. You can do what you want. You can, uh, you're free in our culture to sexually experiment, multiple partners, as anonymous as you want it to be. You, you can just go for it and, and do whatever your heart desires. TV, if you watch just a little bit of TV, you'll get a glimpse of this, right, if you watch any reality TV. I do not watch reality TV, but I see commercials, and I know enough about how that looks. That gives you a glimpse of what the world thinks about relationships and about the freedom that people have being single. There's actually a whole industry of apps that you can get that can allow you to find a hookup almost anonymously. 
And, and that, it's all designed that way. So that's the way our world thinks about it. But if you're a Christian today, when a Christian thinks about being single, it's, it's different. We believe that the Bible teaches that a, the relationship of marriage is the God-designed place for sexual expression. Any sexual activity outside the relationship of marriage is a sin. And so when we think about that being a, a single uh, Christian, it doesn't just mean being not committed to a long-term relationship. It means that sexually I am remaining celibate until I either pass on and am with the Lord forever or I'm married. So that's a, the, the single Christian person is thinking differently than the single person that's outside of a relationship with Christ. So there are definitely some challenges to being single. And as we, as we think about this, and as the, the couple that I'm going to point out today, I just want to be clear right up front that just because it is a challenge for single people does not mean that it's not a challenge for married couples. I think you'll understand when we get to these. The first challenge I want to toss out there is that whole idea of sexual temptation. There is a lie, an absolute lie that permeates our culture, and the lie is this. That sexual expression and sexual experience are necessary for human flourishing. For you to truly understand yourself and experience life as God expected you to, you should be able to, to, be able to express yourself sexually however you feel like. And that's a lie. If we, if we really believe that that's where our fulfillment comes from, I think if, even if you talk to married couples, you would recognize that that is not the answer to absolute fulfillment uh, in our life. But I would recognize that in our culture, over-sexualized as it is and the way media works in our lives, the single person is faced with this to maybe a different degree than married couples are. But, but be clear, the married person understands that just because I got married and I've got this boundary for my sexual expression doesn't mean I never experience any temptation in that area of my life. That would be foolish to think that that was the case. The bottom line is it's a lie to believe that, that that approach to our sexual experience and expression is the ultimate, brings ultimate fulfillment in our life. And if we pursue that, if we live in the midst of that lie, again, we're always going to fall short. It's, always gonna, it's never going to deliver what it promises. Probably the second thing that people would say like would be a challenge for a single person would be the idea of loneliness. Well, they don't have anybody else, so they don't have that person in their life, and so they experience this loneliness. Again, let me be clear. I think there are plenty of married people who are very lonely. So just because I've gotten married and I'm in this relationship doesn't mean that loneliness never becomes an issue uh, anymore. But certainly there is a challenge for the single person to deal with everybody else maybe has this person that they're connected with and I don't feel like I have uh, that person. So these are legitimate challenges. And, and I think there are things that we need to uh, consider and be aware of when we're even when we're dealing with and we're thinking about people around us that are living uh, as single uh, people in this world. But there's, there are advantages to being single. And that's where I really want us to land this morning. So as we think about this, I want to turn you back to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. 
First of all, I want to just give a little bit of background here. Paul is writing to a group of Christians. So he's writing to Christians, but he's not writing just to any particular Christians. He's writing to Christians that have actually written to him with some questions. The reason we know that is because the very first verse of chapter 7 says this. Paul writes, now for the matters you wrote about. And then he proceeds to go into this response. So the Corinthians had actually written to Paul with some questions regarding relationships, marriage in particular. And so Paul is responding with his wisdom, with his godly wisdom on marriage, singleness, and relationships. So we know that that's what's happening here. But I want to take you down for this morning down to uh, verse 32 of chapter 7. And that's where I'm going to read this morning. And this is what Paul says again. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 beginning at verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So you can get a a pretty clear picture of what Paul's pushing for here in this passage and ultimately what he's pushing for for all believers is undivided devotion to the Lord, that we would be single-minded in our devotion to the Lord. But he brings up the ultimate problem for the married person is that we're automatically got... Uh, a divided heart, divided mind, there's things that, are, that tend to divide our thinking. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. But when I think about the first advantage to singleness, I need to have us drop back into verse 28 real quick because as soon as I read through this passage, I just said that we've got to include verse 28 of chapter 7. It says this, Paul says, If you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. So here's the very first thing that I would say is an advantage to being single. You are spared the headaches of being married. We laugh because it's true. Those of you that are married, unless you're living in some kind, I mean, I I can't imagine. If you've never had any kind of conflict or tension in your relationship, I want to hear about it. But if you're married this morning, you know what Paul's talking about. It's tough. It's tough. And I would, I mean, I've been married 38 years, still have struggles. I, I would suspect there's people that have been married longer than that that still have struggles. And some of you that have been married uh, less time than that. We recognize that there are headaches. And Paul's saying, listen, if you want to be spared trouble in this world, don't get married. That's what he says. So in all the glowing things that this same guy, Paul, wrote in Ephesians about how great marriage is, he's absolutely right. It's a beautiful thing. But he also says, man, it's tough. And I'm sure Paul looked around. He probably knew married people that were like, nah, no thank you. No thank you. So I think the first big advantage to the single person is that you're you're just spared the headache of being married. You're welcome. Back to this passage. Paul says this uh, in 32 to 34 of chapter 7. He basically pushes into that idea of of, an undivided heart. That as a single person, we can 
offer ourselves completely to the Lord without being worried about the cares of this world and, and really rely on God in our life. Now, that doesn't mean it's any easier. I mean, I, could, I imagine single uh, folks would, would recognize the challenge of doing that. But the reality is, Paul makes it clear, a single person doesn't, is not concerned about the cares of this world or how to please their spouse. They can be undivided in their uh, pursuit of the Lord. And so when we think about that, it allows us uh, to focus in as a single person on the one relationship in our life that's going to give us fulfillment, uh, and that's that relationship with God. I would also suggest that singles have a greater capacity for a breadth of relationships that maybe as married couples we wouldn't be able to enjoy. So there's a broader group of people that I can have relationship with, whereas when I get married, I've, I'm zeroing in on my spouse first and foremost. And then when I have a family and I have kids, those, those children uh, take up a lot of my time as well. And so a single person has the opportunity to have a broader, uh, not just breadth of relationships, but depth of those relationships. And I think that's a legitimate advantage uh, to being single. Thirdly, I would suggest that singles uh, have, can more easily find the source of true contentment in their life because we're recognizing that contentment isn't found in another person. And, man, time and time again, I've sat with uh, couples that I've, and some of you are sitting here this morning, I've done your wedding, it's great. And they sit there and we do our counseling beforehand and, and we talk about, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be uh, challenges in your marriage. And they go, yeah, 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 we know. Like, no, you don't. I mean, you don't really know, but we, and, and we, sometimes we enter into a marriage relationship with unrealistic expectations, like th this person is going to somehow complete, you know, what, things I'm missing in my life. Or like we mentioned earlier, maybe there's these just sexual desires in my life and th this person is going to meet all of those needs in my life. And the reality is anytime we hold up another person uh, to become this ultimate need meter in my life, we've created an expectation that that person can never fulfill. They weren't designed to fulfill. And so as we think about as a single person approaching life with the recognition that God is the one that provides in my life, that alleviates a lot of stress and issues. So finding that true source of contentment. And then lastly, uh, an advantage, and, and let me just be clear that Brian and I did not talk about this at all, but he shared a verse from John chapter 1 which uh, I happen to pull out for this morning because I think singles uniquely have the ability to illustrate and identify or, or show us what it means to be a child of God. So I'm going to reread what he read in John chapter 1, verse 12. But this is what it says. This is talking about Jesus. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision nor a husband's will, but born of God. And so as single uh, folks, I, I, I believe you have the opportunity and the ability to really demonstrate and illustrate what it means to be a child of God. Not needing my identity to come from anybody else, from my husband or my wife, from my kids, but that I'm a child of God. And so that's an incredible uh, privilege and advantage now, here's the thing. These longings that we have, whether it's the, the sexual temptation or these longings for intimacy or relationship, this loneliness, those are legitimate 
feelings and longings that are, are God-given uh, to us. And, and so I believe that it really points to something bigger. Because we know that the marriage relationship, as great as it is, does not meet all of those needs. It's still pointing, the marriage relationship is still pointing to something bigger than itself. An ultimate reality that we look forward to one day. And any time that we start making something that is not an ultimate reality, an ultimate reality, we've got a problem. Because that's not what it was created to be for us. And so we, as we want to recognize the legitimacy of the longings in our life, but we also recognize that there is no human relationship on this earth that is ultimately going to fulfill that uh, in us. And so let me return back to the question I asked just a few minutes ago. Is it better to be married or is it better to be single? And I'm going to suggest the answer is yes. They're both fantastic. And we need to recognize that they are God-given. Neither one is better than the other. Let me share a, a quote from Sam Alberry. He's a, he's a, a pastor in Great Britain. Um, and then I'll unpack his quote a little bit. But this is what he says. He says, the ways that we misunderstand singleness reflects the fact that we're looking to marriage in unbiblical and healthy ways. Unhealthy ways, excuse me. Both marriage and singleness testify to the gospel. Marriage shows us the shape of the gospel in that it models the covenant promises that God has made to us in Christ. Singleness shows us the sufficiency of the gospel because it shows us the reality of what marriage points to, which is our own relationship with Jesus. So let me unpack that a little bit. First of all, he says that marriage points to the shape of the gospel. That covenant love, that uh, sacrificial love that Brian talked about, this unconditional love for another points to the God of the gospel, that he made that ultimate sacrifice for us, that he demonstrated that covenant love, that sacrificial love in our own life. And so marriage is, a, is an incredible uh, picture of that and shows the shape of the gospel. Singleness, on the other hand, uh, shows the sufficiency of the gospel. It reminds us that in light of all the other things that are pulling at us and seeking to be that ultimate thing in our life, that it really is through a relationship with Jesus that we find true fulfillment in our life. And, and that's all that we need, the sufficiency of the good news of the gospel. We were not created, listen to this now, we were not created to be married. You were not created to be single. You were created, we were created to have an intimate relationship with God. That's what we were created for. So everything else, marriage, sexual expression and experience, uh, friendship, all of those things are going to fall short of creating the true intimacy that we can have with God that one day we will have in eternity. We're, we have that desire. God created it, it in us and we're seeking it. And one day we will have it, but it comes through a relationship with God. So whether you're married or single this morning, I just want to encourage you that, that you would turn your eyes heavenward, that you would recognize that the fulfillment of your life comes through a relationship with God only. And as we pursue him, as we look to him, we become better spouses, we become better uh, single people, we, can't, we really ultimately become better children of God as we interact in this world together. So this morning, I want to encourage you this way. You, perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard about people having a relationship with God 
through Jesus, but you've never made that decision. And so we talk about it this way. We talk about, first of all, A, that you need to admit that you're a sinner, that you're falling short, that you're pursuing things that are not ultimate things, but you've been pursuing them like they are. That A, I need God in my life. B, that we believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to the sin in our life. That God sent his son, Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again so that we could have a relationship with him. And C, we choose to commit our life to follow him. And so this morning, some of you maybe need to start there. That you've been chasing after everything but that. And you recognize that, nope, I need a relationship with God. And it starts right there. So uh, in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, to uh, pray through that. But I wanted to finish by giving you uh, some illustrations or some applications. We've been talking about this each week, trying to leave you with something to work on uh, this this following week. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. If you're a single person this morning, I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Number one, do you see your singleness as a greater opportunity to serve God? Ask yourself, what can I do now for the kingdom of God that I could not do if I was married? So I would like you to just be honest with yourself. What could I do now for God's work, for God's kingdom that I could not do if I was married? And then how, would you, how will you use the gift of singleness, of being a single person, to bring glory to God? For married couples, a couple questions for you. First of all, just an encouragement. Let's be careful about how we talk about singleness and how we talk to our single friends as if like someday their life will get going when they get married. I think sometimes that's the message we get like, okay, just hang on, you'll get married and everything will be great. That's not the answer. So I want us just to be careful about how we, the language you use and how we uh, talk with those that are single. But married couples, look around, look into your oikos, look to the people that God's put in your life that might be single, and how can you intentionally include them in your world and recognize that they are part of the family of God, the bigger family of God. And they need those relationships. And they need people to come alongside them that way. And I would just say to older married uh, people, so I would put myself in that category, let's, uh, let's be willing to, to really intentionally mentor and find people that we can encourage. Not that we're perfect, not that we have it all figured out, but could we invest in someone younger, younger couple, married couple, or, or single person that we can encourage along the way and be intentional about that? Can we do that? Yes is the answer. We can do that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for who you are. Thanks that uh, you have provided the beauty of the marriage relationship and, and what that... Uh, demonstrates in our life the character and the, the truth of who you are, that you've allowed for singleness to be an example of the sufficiency that, that we recognize, God, ultimately it's in a relationship with you that we find real fulfillment in our life. And God, I'm so grateful this morning that we have both within our church family here, that whether we are married or single, that we are part of the family together. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing around us. And then, God, for those that maybe need to have a relationship with you that are, are thinking or, or, or recognizing that they need to start that today, 
Would you give them the courage to take that step, to be willing to, to uh, step out and really choose to follow you with, with their life? And then, God, we'll just trust you to uh, the good work that you've begun. You will complete it, and one day we'll see you face to face. We look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen.